What's happened? James is not here, as, as you will know. But I'd like to just go back a little bit before that, before I heard James wasn't going to be here. I've, I'm in the process of reading a book on spiritual abuse. Now, please understand me. I'm not even sure I agree with the term at the moment. But abuse is real. And this book is really heavy. And it's, it's, not, it's, not, a, it's not an easy read. And it, it's one that I believe God want, wanted me to deal with in, in terms of reading it. And in that book, there was uh, a reference to uh, John chapter 8. Uh, the woman who was caught in an adulterous situation. And actually, it was a very interesting take on that. And I thought, oh, this, this, is, this is a very interesting thing. Uh, I might remember that, I should remember that, and maybe use it in a preach one day. And then, yesterday morning, I read that on Friday, yesterday morning, I get the Premier News um, sort of devotional feed each morning. Guess what it was on? John chapter 8. And uh, a different sort of approach to it. Well, that was, that was yesterday morning, 11 o'clock, Phone goes, hello James, and honestly, James does not sound at all well, quite seriously. And he said, uh, mm, I hate to ask you this, but could you cope and preach tomorrow morning? So, of course, I said, yeah, no problem, thinking it is a problem, but <laughs> hello, that's a problem as well. <laughs> um, in that, I don't know what I'm going to preach on because I was not at home. I was in Alton Broad. I was then going on to lower stuff. I didn't expect to be home until at least four o'clock. In fact, it was near enough six o'clock before we got home. And I thought, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? But I believe God had showed me what I should speak on. And that is John chapter eight. So please pray for James. He does need it. Um, it's, it's not at all good. So here we are this morning. John chapter 8, if you'd like to turn to that in uh, your Bibles, if you have one. There's no PowerPoint, can't do anything about it, so uh, there we go. No time for that. And it proves to you I can preach without PowerPoint. Well, at least I can waffle. <laughs> okay. Okay, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. We're in John chapter 8, verse 1. Ooh, is that me? That's me, blowing. Oh dear. No, no, I mustn't breathe. (laughs) Okay. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered round him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made a stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the, law of, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were asking or using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, 
he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. An interesting story for all sorts of reasons. Uh, One, you will notice in in your Bibles that many manuscripts do not have it at that point and some place it in a different position in John's Gospel and others put it into Luke and the wording is different. We don't worry about all that sort of thing. Leave that for the study. But all I can say to you is that I have come to the conclusion, not, not just today, but over many years, that here in this passage we are still dealing with the word of God. Yeah. And that is the most important thing. So this is part of what God wants us to, to learn. And maybe the Holy Spirit uh, took a detached narrative and, and caused it to be planted here. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But the woman was trapped in an act of adultery. You begin to wonder how that happened. You know, how come she was actually caught in that act? There are some that suggest, sort of imagining the situation, that the whole thing was a setup. That maybe the Pharisees knew that, that Jesus was going to be, and the teachers of the law knew that he, Jesus was going to be teaching in the temple, and they thought, How can we trap him? We need to get some way. And someone came up with this scheme. I have no idea if that's true. But that's just someone's imagining. Maybe, maybe someone who was a follower of the Pharisees or even a Pharisee himself came along into a house and found this out by by accident. That I don't know how she was caught in the act, but she was. But a question that always comes to mind is, where's the bloke? Yes. You know, where is he? Actually, the law says that both should be stoned uh, if, if they're caught like that. Now, hang on. Let me just say here, we're dealing Old Testament here. Please, we live in New Testament times. Please, so don't, let's not translate Old Testament to, new, to present day like that. But that's what the law says, and you can read it in the Scriptures. Uh, but you think, where was he? Someone else has imagined. I mean, this is pretty modern, really, but... But then human nature hasn't changed, has it? That the two heard somebody coming in at the door and the bloke, who was the sort of the more athletic of the two, nipped out of the window and wasn't caught. I don't know. I'm just trying to put a human situation into this because we are dealing here 
with real people in a real-life situation. It happened then. The culture is different. The way they organised themselves was different. But it's a real-life human situation. And so this woman somehow was caught en flagrant, or however you pronounce it. You know, it was actually happening. And, of course... Uh, whoever caught so ah the Pharisees will love this and here's a way to trap Jesus and so the Pharisees the teachers of the law together brought this woman I can't imagine for a minute what sort of state she was in let's imagine the human situation here she knew the law I mean it is possible another suggestion it is possible that she was a prostitute Let's not go too far. But imagine the state she was in. You know, to be hauled out of the house or wherever and dragged through the streets to where Jesus was teaching. Knowing that she faced death and an awful one. Also knowing that she was being used as an example. This is just so awful. And, you know, you can't, you can't totally get your way into it. So, she's sort of thrown at the feet of Jesus. And the teachers of the law, the scribes, the Pharisees. Well, Jesus, what are you going to do about this? You can... You can and you can sort of imagine what they were thinking. Ha ha. This, this rabbi, this teacher, this one who is making all sorts of claims, this one who a lot of people think he's the Messiah. Um, oh, did he come from Bethlehem? We don't know. Uh, he came from Nazareth. It doesn't all tie up. It doesn't make sense to us. But he's making these claims. We don't, we don't believe it. We've got him. And in the most awful way. You know, we, even today, we can look across different cultures and we don't understand half, third, tenth, whatever, a lot of other cultures. And we see things happening and you think, what? And that's what we, uh, that's what we feel as we look at this. What? It shows us that the Bible is a Middle Eastern book. It's not, it's not Western Europe. It's Middle Eastern. What's going on here? Well, Jesus, the rabbi who knows everything, who's making all these claims. The law says she should be stoned. What do you think? It's the perfect trap. It is. Because if Jesus says, stone her, out of the window goes all his love, compassion, teaching, gone. What would that mean? Those who followed him would desert him. They would have won. The Pharisees, they'd have won. If Jesus then said, no, 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 don't stone her. Aha, but that's what the law says. So, Jesus, you're a heretic. 
You don't follow the law of Moses. You're a heretic. Understand, people, this man's a heretic. So either way, they thought they'd got him. What follows next has always seemed a little bit strange. Those of you who know the story, perhaps you agree, perhaps you don't. Jesus stoops down and starts to write in the dust. And they keep on accusing him. What do you think? What do you think? Answer us, answer us. And he's writing in the dust. What's going on here? We don't know what he wrote. Some think that he might have written words like love, compassion, mercy. That's pure speculation. Others think he might have perhaps even written out the summary of the law. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your... I don't know. Was he just with a, a, an unusual sense of wisdom sort of calming things down? But eventually, he straightens up. All right then. The one who has no sin, the one who's never done anything wrong, has never had a bad thought, who's totally pure, the one without sin, step up and throw the first stone. And then he goes back to writing in the dust. And what happens? One by one, people leave. Now you can imagine the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the, the crowd around who'd been listening to Jesus' teaching and now was standing aghast at what was happening. I can imagine them looking at each other. None of us is without sin. Nobody says anything. Didn't have to be said. One by one, they've gone, going. Until there's only Jesus still writing in the dust, whatever he was writing. And again he straightens up. Oh, they've gone. Oh. But the woman's still there. So they didn't condemn you then. No. They didn't condemn you. Amazing words follow. Neither do I. Let that sink in. This woman's been caught. Caught. Jesus knew the law. She knew the law. I don't condemn you. Now go. Leave your life of sin. Let's put it colloquially. 
You can go. Don't do it again. Simple as that. Don't do it again. You know, some words come to me in this. Realism. That's the first word I thought of, just looking at this realism. You know, Jesus is realistic about people's condition. He's realistic. He's realistic about what the woman has done. He doesn't, he doesn't minimise it. He doesn't play it down. He doesn't try and find excuses. Nothing of that in the story. So he's realistic. But I can imagine that as he, as he saw the crowd, or the Pharisees bringing this woman and the crowd around, and he, he recognised what was going on, he was realistic in that, well, the woman has, in verse commas, sinned, which she had, but so has everybody else. That's real. That's not pretending someone is black and black, excuse the metaphor, and others are just pure white. That's not that sort of contrast. It's realistic. What, whoever you are, this is Jesus' thinking, I believe. Whoever you are, whether you're a woman caught in adultery, whether you're a Pharisee, whether you're male, whether you're female, whether you're young, whether you're old, this is the reality and Paul picked it up in his letter to the Romans, all have sinned. All, and then Paul explains it, fall short of God's glory. And that's the hard truth. It's realistic, and it's true. And it's still true. It's still true. We've had words that, that, to me, it was quite graphic. People are out in the sunshine, walking in the light, but they're actually walking in darkness. We've had that this morning. That's true. You know, people love darkness rather than light. And there is, is that tendency. You do not have to teach a child to be naughty. Hello. You don't, do you? And we just have to look around us to see the effects of all of this. Oh, we never ever thought we'd have a war in Europe in the 21st century. Why? Have we grown up so much? No. We've got a war because the hearts of men and women haven't changed. We still all sin. And of course in our thinking we grade sin, don't we? We're not, oh, I'm not a sinner like Vladimir Putin. I'm glad you're not, but you know what you mean? Oh, I'm not, I'm not like a sinner, that one. I've never had an affair. I'm not a sinner like that person. I'm not in that sort of relationship. Conveniently forgetting that yesterday we talked to someone else about a third person 
in a negative way. Gossip. Conveniently forgetting that I looked over my neighbour's fence and thought, I really do want that. I wish I could. And it got you. I coveted it. Conveniently forgetting. Dear, have you done the washing up? Yes. You haven't. A little lie. That's nothing, is it? Is it? We grade sin. And my little sins, well, they don't matter. But actually, I believe this story says that to Jesus, they do. Yeah, he wasn't minimising what the woman had done. But he was looking at the crowd and the the teachers and the Pharisees and saying, you've all sinned. So throw the first stone, please, if you're the pure one. Realism. Let's move to be more positive. Mercy. Ah, what a word. Jesus had and showed and demonstrated mercy to this woman. He was realistic about what she had done. But he didn't condemn. He knew the problem that was within her. He knew. He could see into her and he said, I don't condemn you. Now, to not condemn does not mean that he condoned. Do we get the difference? Because when he straightened up for that second time and the only one left was the woman, the fact that he says, I don't condemn condemn you either doesn't mean that he said your sin is okay but at first he was showing her mercy he was saying I understand I understand why this has happened I understand the life that you lead I understand the background that you have I understand the history of your life I understand all the pressures that are upon you I understand all of that I know how you think I know what you feel I know your your intimate thoughts and I do not condemn that isn't the end of the story of course but he's showing her great grace and compassion and mercy and forgiveness. What is the one, one of the things that characterises our current society? It's the lack of forgiveness. Do you know, if you're on social media and you get well known but 10, 20 years ago you did something wrong and others find out, what's the result? Cancel. You know, we've seen statues topple. We've even seen Churchill's statue daubed with, this man was a racist. They were people of their time. I think, in my, in my negative sort of thoughts, let's stop singing Amazing Grace. Why? Because the author was a slave trader. And in today's thinking, oh, you can't have anything to do with that. 
But fancy, John Newton said, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How could he use the word wretch? Why? I was a human trafficker. I dealt with the lives of men and women. I mistreated them. I treated them like cattle. I, I, was, I, I sold them for money. And yet, amazing grace. Amazing grace. You saved someone like me. That's what Jesus shows. That grace, that mercy. You know. Fantastic word. Amazing grace. You know, whatever you've done, whatever lies in the past, and again, we've had echoes of this this morning. I'm amazed. This is what I was going to say. And we've had echoes already of this this morning. Whatever has been in your life in the past, and for some of us, they are things that if we knew others knew about, we wonder how they would react. And we say, whatever is in the past, this is your, can be your truth. The truth. Amazing grace. Fantastic. How, what a wonderful thing that saved a person, a man, a woman like me. And he's forgiven. I, I, I'm sorry we don't sing it. Years ago we used to sing a song. I get so excited, Lord, every time I realise I'm forgiven. But I think to sing that in the way that you do, you've got to know what you're forgiven from. And when, you know, it said, those who, who have been forgiven a lot, love a lot. Jesus' love and mercy, grace, there's nothing to compare with it. Because he's reached down and taken hold of the, of the most awful, sinful person and said, you're forgiven. Because we stand the other side of the cross. This woman was before the cross. We stand the other side. I'm forgiven. I must press on. Another word, change. Don't do it again. Real forgiveness, which would follow real repentance. Let's not get into the theological stuff this morning. But real forgiveness leads to change. Don't do it again. Don't tell me you're forgiven if you're doing it again. Don't tell me you've experienced the grace of God if you're doing it again. Don't do it again, lady. I know he says woman. That's, that's respectful, actually, in the, in the original. Don't do it again. And he says that to us, actually. I'll forgive you. Don't do it again. But we have a wonderful advantage. 
over, over her. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us not to do it again. Amazing. And I believe, final word, I'm finishing. I believe this woman walked away in freedom. The final word, freedom. She could walk away and not only say, that was a close shave. No, 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 I'm not meaning that. She could walk away and say, because of Jesus' words, because of his mercy and grace and compassion, because of his gracious command not to do it again, I can walk away free. Free. Yeah. I don't have to do it again. I can leave this life. Why? Because he has forgiven me. If the Son sets you free, you'll be really free. And that is what she experienced. And that is what Jesus wants all of us to know. He says to you, you're forgiven. You're free. Because sometimes, even though he's forgiven us, we find it hard to forgive ourselves. And he says, I've forgiven you. Turn around, repentance. Turn around. Put it behind you. Walk away from it. And you're free. Maybe some of us would need help to do that. I understand that. But that's the possibility. Whatever happened one, two, three, four, ten, twenty, thirty years ago, or for some of us could be fifty, sixty years ago, Jesus says, I'll set you free. And that's what he did for this woman. He set her free. And if you were sinned against rather than sinned, you understand? He can set that free. You're free from that as well. I think this is an amazing story. Fantastic. Praise God that Jesus saw this woman not just as a, inverted commas, sinner, but as a a woman made in the image of God who could be delivered from the life she was living, forgiven for what she had done and set free to walk in a new life. Thank God for that. That's true for us.